0: Hey, welcome to the Missio Dei podcast. Check us out on the web at missyodaychicago.com. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You guys can have a seat. All right. Well, um, we are, if you're new with us, we're in the middle of a new series at Missio Dei, um, just looking at who is Jesus. Um, As you're probably like, yeah, oh, oh, that's what we talk about every week. Who is Jesus? Yeah, so, but we want to really focus in on just the, the last week we introduced just this beautiful poem found in Colossians 1 15 through 20 that was just like a worship statement for the church that was like written only a few years after Jesus' death and resurrection that was circulated, that people alive would have been able to engage with this letter. And, and say, yeah, I saw Jesus like raised from the dead. Um, and so we looked last week at this sense of Jesus' central supremacy, that he's not only just the, the, the redeemer of us, he's the sustainer, he's the creator. Um, we just looked at how he is the most ultimate, important person of this world, that He is God. We looked at all those good things. Um, today, so last week, it was kind of a lot of like, who is Jesus? Um, this week, I want to just try to paint one picture of a window. You know, whenever the the Word of God tries to describe what Jesus did on the cross, it uses all these different terms, and I want to just kind of zoom in on one found in this, in this book, um, in this passage. Um, before I do, though, I, I kind of want to, um, I was just thinking about this last night um, in my message and the series about who Jesus is and what we want to accomplish here and um uh, we had uh Bam and Liz uh, standing over for dinner last night, and they were asking, how did you guys, you know, whenever you get together with a couple, um, and you're getting to know each other, it's always, how did you guys meet? It's like one of the the, the icebreaker questions, right? So Liz was asking, how did we meet? And Ashley was retelling the story. And I just began to think about um, how we met, and, um, you know, Ashley transferred to to the college I was at, and I was like this this leader at this campus ministry, and she walked through the doors, and I was like, I saw her for the first time, and I gave her a tour, and I was like, "Hey, let me let me help you find your seat," and just trying to be hospitable and all those things. And I was like the first person she had ever met at the school, really, besides her roommate. So I was like, "I got to snatch her up early," um, and so I, 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 I so we began to hang out a lot. And um, I was taking Greek at the time, and I would like she had like this recorder for her 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 computer and I didn't have one of those so I had to record myself saying greek for homework so I I I used that as a great excuse just to hang out as much with her as possible so every week I'd go over to her her dorm and record greek and then we'd just talk for hours and um we began to uh I remember asking her out um and 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 um I remember asking you out and you and you and you said like I I can't yet because there was, like, this other girl in her Bible study that apparently, like, years ago, we kind of had a thing, and she, like, wasn't over it and all this stuff. And it, you know how messy. I was immature, guys. they didn't know what I was doing. And then, so, like, I had to sit there and wait for, like, weeks and weeks for her to talk to, to this girl. And um, anyway, like, I, I um, over a course of time, I just fell in love with Ashley. And, um, and you know, when you're, when you're in that moment, oh, I'm dropping pennies, um talk about your your love life you get a little nervous. Um and uh I remember uh you know just doing crazy things like like I would just want to talk to her all the time. I remember one night we stayed up till like four in the morning talking in the car and she like calls her mom before work at like four thirty in the morning. I'm freaking out like you can't call your mom let her know that I'm hanging out with you at four thirty in the morning. <laughs> and like and so like we just would talk that much and then um just crazy I remember I would like I wrote this like letter to her. This is a sappy. Um I wrote this letter to her backwards, so she had to look in the mirror and read it. Um, so she, so it said all these amazing things about her, and she had to look at the mirror and read it and see herself as she was reading the story. Um, put that one in your arsenal, fellas. Just put that in the back pocket. All right. Um, and then there's this other time I was buying her flowers, I think we got in a little bit of a fight, and I was, I was buying her flowers, I was getting, they had the flowers, and they were, they were wrapping them, and they were checking it out, and then I look out the window, I'm waiting, and I see her car on the other side of a four-lane traffic on the very far side, and I, gra- I grabbed the flowers, I said, I'll come back later, I promise, and I ran out through oncoming traffic, gave her the flowers in her car, and ran back, and it was like crazy, um, and so, anyway, I, I say all this not because now we've we've known each other for fourteen years, and um, now when she calls me during the week, I'm kind of like, "Hey, yeah, what's up? <laughs> what do you want? What do you want?" You know, it's like, in and in, in it, it's like over fourteen years. That's you, you, you know, I'm still madly in love with her, and I hope she knows that. And I don't always show it, I don't always express it. And I wonder, like, does she still know that I love her? Um, but now when she calls, that's it's like it's not the same sense of like it's become commonplace. I share all that because as we look at who Jesus is, um, man, I just feel like our love for him just becomes commonplace. You know, I feel like it at, over years, some of you have like grown up in the church, you've followed Jesus for a really long time, and and just the things that he did for you is now just like this common thing, and you're like, you're, you're, like praying to him, he's like, yeah, Jesus, would you just do this? Come on, yeah, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, yeah, and you read God's word, and you're like, it just feels that way where it's just get this ritual done so I can try to sense something from you, but I'm kind of like in a, we're, we're like roommates, God. Um, and, and so I, I, I just want this series, my hope for you in this series is that, that the, the, the devastating beauty of who Jesus is would never become commonplace. Yeah. Uh, they would not become commonplace for you. And what he's done for you. And so I want to I wanna dust off this old word found in the Bible that's become trendy now called reconciliation today. Um, it, it's, it's this word that we need to like unpack and uncover and dust off. Um, it's a trendy word and that's a good thing. Um, but when the Bible speaks of it, it's got this massive implications and, and massiveness to what it's done for us. And the word reconciliation. It says, "Let me just read the verse to you." Um, it says, "This is in the Bible what we're looking at today." It says that, "For in Him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God." We talked about this last week. That He was the image of the invisible God. Jesus was, and so that all of God's fullness, everything it was, was pleased to dwell in Jesus. So He was. He was God came to us. He pursued us. And he, it was his pleasure to do so. And through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things. That's a pretty amazing claim. That through to all things that he came to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. I hope you just, that, that you know, that's not a claim that you make about anybody. You're like, hey, let me introduce you to my friend, Jason, he's the reconciler of all things. Um, that, that's not just like a, a title you just throw around. Um, it's, it's that he, he's, this word reconciliation is there's an assumption in that word that there's something broken, that there's like a relationship that's been severed, that's been, that, that you're at odds with someone. Like reconcile means that there's two par- parties at odds. And I don't know what your relationships are like right now, um, but I want you to, like, think about someone you're not at peace with, like, right now in your life. Think about that person. Think about that person you're not at peace with, that person that you are just, like, it's the worst relationship in your life right now, um, the, the person you dislike the most. Maybe they're here in this room. I don't know. But it, 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 there's a sense that, like, you know this relationship is broken. Even when I say that, I kind of, like, I need you to, like, come out of that for a minute because I already see you, like getting lost from the point because you're like already getting like really down and, and frustrated and like, oh my gosh. And and so like even at that, like we don't even want to think about that. We don't even want to think about that that's real. That that's a real relationship that's broken. And we don't want to dwell on that because there's this wall. Like there's this offense that's happened and like things aren't right. And, and not even that. Think about the relationships of the people you love the most. Like I know for you know, I said that story about, about Ashley and I, but just the, the long beauty and hardness of marriage over the years. Like, there's times where, like, we're not at, at peace with each other, and it's like, I can't stand it. Like, I can't, I can't, I got to call in work late, or I got to, I can't even function when we're at odds with each other. Like, I can't, it, because there's, I, something's got to be made right? Um, and so, like when God says that He in Christ reconciled all things to Himself, like He's saying you're included in that. That He's reconciled you to God. Um, and, and when we say that, uh, you most of you know that. Most of you are like, yeah, I know that there's something right now. Like I feel that distance between me and God. Like I know that I'm not completely like uh, living uh, in a way of receiving His grace and His goodness and freedom. Um, but some of you, um, that that may be a surprise to you. It's kind of like I don't know if you've ever had this happen. Um, but I've had some people come up to me before, and I don't know if you've ever have you ever had someone come up to you like years later and be like, "Hey, I used to not like you." Have you ever had that? Is, am I the only one? Like, it's like, it's like, you're, like, like you're like, what? You're like, Yeah, I didn't like you. I'm like, and then they're like nice to you then. They're like, oh, you're cool now. But back in high school, man, I didn't like you because I didn't like the way you talked to me. I didn't like the way you looked at me. I thought you didn't like me, and da da da. You're like, no, dude, I was fine. I didn't think anything of those things. And this person had this thing against you. Um, and I think for, for some of us, like, that's the way it is with God that, like, you're like, man, you know, I'm a pretty good person. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not, like, doing a lot of the horrible, evil things in the world, um, but the Scriptures are saying that, like, there's something that we've done that we've contributed to with the world in, in the way that perfect shalom works, and we've contributed to something that's kind of, like, broken that, and there's a schasm there now between us and God. And, like, for some of you, that's, like, news to you that, like, oh, I guess thought God loves us all the time, but, like, you know, He loves you so much that he came to reconcile that difference. He came to reconcile that difference between you and God. And so what Paul is doing here in Colossians 1 is he's pulling us all the way back to the the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures and the Hebrew narrative of what God was doing big picture. And so I want to kind of, I know we got really personal there with that, but I want to also just kind of zoom out because sometimes it's easy just to think of that reconciliation. He says reconcile all things. So he's reconciled you to him, and he's wanting to do that right now today for some of you for the very first time, to reconcile you to God and say, like, I want to receive the blood of Jesus and follow him and realize that I'm, I'm separated from him. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an offense there, a barrier there, and I don't want that barrier there any longer. But there, he says that he's reconciled everything, like all things. And so that's what he's doing right now in the world. And so, um, Paul, I want us just to kind of go back um, and just kind of zoom back out now and go like 10,000 feet in the air and just kind of look at that. What does that mean? Reconcile all things. Is that cool? Um, so let's, let's just begin in the beginning. God created um, humanity, right? Um, in the very beginning, God created humanity. Now, the very beginning of humanity, um, like sad emoji, emoji con, like, or happy emoji con. Which one? Happy Emojicon, right, yeah, that's the beginning of the story, right? Like happy, smiley face, maybe like the one with the tears because it's so good. Um, and, and, then like, and so at so it, it, the very beginning, we have to remember that the Bible doesn't start in Genesis 3 when man and woman sin. Like the Bible begins with like God doing these three things. Like there's complete everything is right. Everything is at in its right place. I think that's a good Radiohead song if you ever listen to it. Um, and, and everything's in its right place. It's justice. It's like everything is right. There's fulfillment. There's delight. It's enjoyable. These three things characterize humanity. And then um, when Adam and Eve uh, sin and rebel against God and decide to to. They think that they can do life in autonomy. They believe that they can figure out a better way to rule and reign over the world. Um, God wanted to partner with them in this, and that was fulfilling for God to partner, um, us to partner with him. That's like the whole plan. He's like, I want you to participate in this redemptive work with me. I made you to be creative and innovators and cultivators, but yet we said, well, we can do it better. And so uh, when that happened, like four relationships broke. Um, Our relationship with God broke. Our relationship with, with ourselves broke. Now we feel shame. Uh, we feel guilt. Um, we, we, feel, we feel these internal insecurities. Every single one of us is tragically insecure, me included. And we cope with these things. And, and so we, 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 ourselves, our relationship with ourselves broke. We, our relationships with each other broke, and our relationships with creation broke. And so um, you, you can kind of picture it like this, that in this picture of, uh, go to the next slide, um, he, he says that, that uh, the reconciliation picture means there's this gap, right? So he uses the word alienation. He says, you were once alienated from God. You were hostile in mind doing evil deeds and now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death. So, so what he's saying here is that you, what this does is, is an alienation, but it's not just personal, it's societal. It's a, it's a big picture. Go to the next slide. Um, it's this picture of, um, one more, uh, so, so through these things, we've gotten a broken covenant with God. Um, now there's, like I mentioned, shame, deeply fragmented, and a vandalism of shalom. Shalom is that, like, everything as it should be, and we vandalize that. Um, and now, as a society, we're deeply fragmented people, um, very deeply fragmented. Um, let me just kind of give you one example of America, uh, of that, that I think is still relevant today. Um, back long ago... Um, Gosh, I can't even remember the the, the right time frame. I'm horrible with dates. But there's this guy that all of you studied in Western Civ, probably called it, named uh, uh, Alexis Tocqueville. You guys remember that guy? Some of you? A few of you? All right, so what this guy did is he was in Europe. He lived in France, and he, he you know, this is a very aristocratic society, um, very much hierarchy, classism, very clear, structured, um, and he wanted to go to America to, like, just study democracy. He wrote, you can read this online. He wrote, it's called Democracy. And what he did is he lived in New York. He lived in, like, D.C. lived in all these places, Philadelphia, and he just, like, observed this new pro- social experiment, that America was um, and then he began to like make observations that were just so unique because it's kind of you never know, have someone come over to your house and it's like the way you do things they you, or you see them do things and you're there and it's weird and you're like why do they put the toilet paper on that that's totally wrong like it doesn't go <laughs> under it goes over right and you and you see things that are weird and you're like that's what he was doing he was coming into America and he could see things that they couldn't see and he writes about it um, in this book Democracy um, and I want to read this to you um, it says this He says, um, the first thing that strikes the observation is an innumerable multitude of men, all equal and alike, incessantly endeavoring to procure the petty and paltry pleasures with which they glut their lives. (laughs) That's an amazing sentence. I was like, oh my gosh, that's like Chicago right there. All alike incessantly endeavoring to procure the petty and paltry pleasures, intelligentsia, coffee, with which they glut their lives. Each of them, living apart, as a, is as a stranger to the fate of all the rest. His children and his private friends constitute to him the whole of mankind. As for the rest of his fellow citizens, he's close to them, but he does not see them. He touches them, but he does not feel them. And I read that and I was like, wow. It's like, that is like, I have no more accurate description than today that like, he makes this observation that we're like everybody, we want to maximize pleasure, minimize pain. But he says, Americans are going about it in this unique way, this fragmented, disconnected way that Americans live out their lives. That like, we as a people, America comes on the scene and and, and, and it's the sense that like, we've got this, if we can exalt our self-expression as an individual, you don't tell me what to do. I'll make it myself. Don't, don't. you know, you, we have this sense that we live as strangers to the rest of fellow citizens. And this pursuit of, what he's saying is this, this pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness creates this fragmentation as a society that we are alienated now. And that's the exact same. This is just the the Bible story of old, re, re-happening again and again and again. Um, so go to the next slide. Um, so... so, so uh, Back here, we have the sense of just this vandalism of shalom. All right, like these choices that we've made, um, we've basically have have decided to to um, define our world in our world by friends, work, church, and family. We get busy, but only with what we constitute as a concern. So sure, we see the greater problems in our world that need to be reconciled. We keep up, um, but and we like we want to feel a little bad about it. But we've insulated ourselves so well that it really doesn't have to affect us. It doesn't really have to touch us. Um, We don't, you know, we we aren't disturbed by it in any case, and we don't want to be inconvenienced by it. So we don't welcome strangers into our lives. We don't welcome strangers into our homes. Um, We don't go out to meet them. We dismiss the needs of future generations. We make token efforts to relieve our guilt by our charity. We keep the bread of life, Jesus, in our own kitchen and to the people who already have the bread of life. Um, we, we begin to just amuse ourselves to death. And, and, and this is the sense that what we, we've done is, is, is that's what each one of these lines, so there's this brokenness and alienation of humanity in the beginning. And then each one of these lines is just a different narrative. a different. I can just write like, I, you guys like my, my artwork? I did, this took me a while to do in PowerPoint, by the way. <laughs> Um, but each one of these lines is just like a different narrative, and you could just go a billion different directions of the narrative of seeking your own uh, pursuit of happiness. But when we do that, there's a, there's, there, there is a sense of rivalry, and there's a sense of uh, humans don't have enough resources to fix our alienation, right? Like Fang, you guys know what Fang is, right? Fang doesn't work. It's not, we have, Fa- Fang, by the way, is Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google and we have those things, it's a thing. Look it up. I just pulled a Tiffany Wongism right there. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google has bettered our lives this much or worsened it at best. And, it, and we still are broken. We're still an alienated people. And so we have this deep fragmentation. We're all going our own ways. And now we have issues of power and privilege and difference. Oh, we're moving really quick with the slides here. Somebody's like, keep it going, Brian, come on. Um, and so all of these, and what Paul is saying is all those different things that are, that are alienating us from each other and from a creation and from God, those, that's what those gaps are. Now Jesus is bringing them all back together. And he's reconciling all things. He's reconciling inequality. He's reconciling the fact that you smear your relationships. He's reconciling the fact that we feel that shame and guilt inside internally. And he's reconciling all that in the blood of the cross, he says, to make peace. Um, to make, so all of that is coming together, being reconciled in Christ. And that's what reconciliation is. And, and if you think about reconciliation, it's so hard to find a, a picture to kind of to to show this like cosmic thing that God's doing that's already true but not yet we don't we get glimpses of it um, I think the best glimpse that I've been able to see is is what happened in, in South Africa through Nelson Mandela um, there, was, there was the apartheid and then there was the fact that they began to 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 when the when the old white regime was was being moved out and broken they didn't know how to bring peace um, but so what they did they decided we're going to have open trials. And we're gonna, the only way we're going to get through this is if you admit what you did wrong, and you acknowledge it, and you come before, and you tell us everything. It's, the be- it's 300 pages. The, the Truth and Reconciliation Committee come up with 300 pages of the nation's past and, and horrible things that they did. It's the most comprehensive document of a nation's shortcomings that's been ever put together. And, and these people came and just, like, these, these people that were victimizers and oppressors came and said, like, this is what I did, and they told these gruesome things. But not only that, like, they had, like, people that were, were like, like, Mandela's wife had to confess things. And, and there was all this stuff brought out, and he so, said, okay, now that you've said that, now that you've acknowledged the truth, and you've acknowledged that, this is, that you've alienated yourself, that you've done these horrible things to create this chasm, you're going to be forgiven. Like, the record is gone. Um, and that's what, what Jesus is doing for us. And, and for us, some of us is like, why can't, why can't there be a God, like, like with Buddhism or all these other things, like, God just love us? Why can't he just do that? Like, forgive and forget just does not work. Why do you think that when people march, when we march in the streets, we yell out, no justice, no peace, over and over and over again? Because there's a wrong that needs to be Right? And so the chant is no justice, no peace, no justice, no peace. And what Jesus did, what God did, is what all the people who visited South Africa came and said, this is horrible, I can't believe this is going on. The people who visited Rwanda, the bishops that came to Rwanda and saw the genocide, they said, I can't believe that Christians are killing each other, everyone's killing each other. The only way we're going to get through this is for a system of justice to get created. And that's what's going on with us. That's what's going on with our whole world. And the cross is God's system of justice. And every victim can no, no longer is a victim because Jesus became the victim. And every victimizer now sees that they are a part of a trauma that spread throughout all of creation, and sin ricocheted and touched everything and vandalized our perfect shalom, and they're a part of the system too. And we're all contributing to this brokenness, and we're all alienating ourselves, but Jesus created this system of justice and said, I will take on the sin of the world on the cross and reconcile all things to me. And so for us as individuals, I'm kind of going in and out of the big picture and similar, the amazing thing is this, that that picture of, of South Africa, that this picture of all of these, this 300-page document um, for Colossians. What was going on in that time is there was this Jewish apocalyptic literature going around, and, and they were saying that like in heaven and earth, all throughout, there's a, there's a record in heaven. The teaching was that there's a manuscript. It was always this word manuscript, all in this Jewish literature. Manuscript, there's a manuscript. What are you talking about manuscript? There's a manuscript of every evil deed you've done and every good thing you've done, and it's recorded in heaven. And if you want to be appeased with those powers, in this, you need to, you need to like do these things. You need to follow the Mosaic law. You need to actually um, do these really different, uh, extraordinary things to get reconciled. That was the teaching. And I want you to see what Paul says. It's just so beautiful in Colossians 2. Look at this in verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your heart, of your flesh. So it wasn't that you were just like bad. He says you were spiritually dead. That, that, that alienation, we're dead spiritually. And he says that God made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of us, all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt. That word literally is the same word, by canceling the manuscript. Canceling the manuscript that stood against you with all of its legal demands that he set it aside and he nailed it to the cross. And you don't have to reconcile the gods and you don't have to reconcile the powers and the authorities that are spiritual, this mystical thing that you've been taught. He says, no, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. That's the good news that Jesus has done that. He's, 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 he's triumphed over this shame that we experience in the good news about what what for for reconciliation to happen there has to be truth and acknowledgement we talked about that but the second thing is in that picture of South Africa that entire record that entire document had to be completely erased it had to be completely voided it had to be completely wiped out from anybody held against anybody and it was a flawed system but it's a picture of what Jesus has done. is that He's taken the manuscript of every... If some of you are like, oh, there's no way God could love me. There's no way I could ever be reconciled to God. You don't even know what I did last night. You don't know what I've done with, to my spouse l- this week. You don't know the way I've talked to, talked to them and treated them. You don't know the way I've talked to my friends and the, 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 the things I do to harm myself, to cope with my pain. You have no clue. And Jesus is here saying, I have canceled the manuscript. Amen. I've put it on the cross and it's gone. All the shame is gone. It's no more, and so when you see the cross, if you put a picture of the cross, if you turn it just a little bit, it's an X. And the thing about what Jesus has done is he to reconcile us is he's taken an X to the voice of the enemy. And when you see the cross, it is an X to the voice of the enemy that says, "I'm actually going to shame you and your lies, and I'm not going to listen to anymore because it is a lie." And so what the cross does is it X's out the voice of Satan. It X's out the voice of him. It it takes out all shame. It removes all guilt, all shame. And no longer do we have to live with any shame. We can be free of that. Um, I remember uh, years ago, probably around 2006, uh, before we were here, we were in Birmingham. We started a college ministry, Ashley and I. Um, And and God just blessed it. We were a part of a church, and... It grew, and we moved the worship service to the campus that it was at, and um, all these students were coming. And then I was young; maybe maybe I wasn't stewarding my gift the right way. I don't know. But like the the other people from other ministries were coming as well, and I didn't know what to do with all that. And you know, and and one of the the, one of the other college pastors was really jealous. Um, And Alabama is a very territorial. Very like churches are like r- weird, all right. <laughs> like they're like instead of in Chicago, it's like we gotta stick together. And there, it's like those are my people. And I'm like, these are all God's people. Um, and then so he, he sits down with me one time, and he he looks at, and he looks at me and says, Brian, you're about your kingdom, not God's kingdom. And he and we've had conversations before, and he was just frustrated that like all these kids were were leaving his ministry, and he says. He knew I wanted to plant a church one day, and he, he told me, Brian, I don't think you'll ever plant a church by the way you lead. And that just stuck with me. And then, you know, through the years, you, you're praying, we're, we're trying to plant a church, and praying about where, and you're, and you're looking around, and, and so God would close these doors. And, and, you know, I never really thought about that at the time. I was just like, that guy's angry. <sighs> he's, he's obviously got issues. Like, that's what I thought. And I had my own issues, but he's got some issues. Um, and I don't hold it against him. I don't even know where he is now. I don't think of anything of it. But the thing was that whenever we would get to a place to try to discern where God would have us plant, I would hear that voice. And the good news is that, that God was like, Brian, I never said that to you. Like, he said that to you. And so what God has done is whatever shame you are experiencing, whatever voice or lie that's telling you that you are not good enough, that you don't have what it takes, that you have done too much damage to yourself, is a lie of the enemy. And what the blood of the cross has done is has made peace with you and him. That now when you feel that lie, the amazing thing is with the cross, when one story ended at the cross and another story began, and the story that ended was the victim story the story that says that I'm not good enough, I'll never be much, I'll never amount to anything, I'm not going to accomplish anything, everybody's against me, they don't like me. The things that we all do to sabotage ourselves ended at the cross because he became the victim and it says that he triumphed over the enemy. It says that he's transferred you from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the light. And he is now the victor the victim that was innocent, that took on our issues that created this big chasm, is now the victor. And so now we all are grounded in the cross. There's no socio-economical differences at the foot of the cross. That as our world is different, and as our, we all have these differences, now everything, now I'm moving towards communally, now everything, no matter who you are. Now at that time in Colossians, every Egyptian slave, Every, every homemaker, every business owner, the Gentile who just came out of prostitution, and the one who used to sacrifice to the goddess Aramaeus, the fertility god, and the Jewish person who used to be a part of the Sanhedrin, all got together and shared a meal together. And they shared a meal together as a family. And that's what God's doing is this is what Paul calls a new humanity. That you're being made into a new humanity. And in Colossians 3, this is what he says. No longer is, is, it, is it this. He says, this is what this new humanity looks like. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So you're going to be holy. You know, we don't really like that word often. You know, we use that as a, as a thing like, that person thinks they're so holy, right? Like they're holier than thou. You've ever heard that? But he's saying, no, you're set apart. You're, 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 you're distinct but compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive, and above all, put on love, which binds every. You see the connection? Binds everything together in perfect harmony. He's saying that all these differences in our church, among each other, we, the, the we are a community of difference but united in Jesus. That's what he's saying. We are a community that is so different. It, all of us have, we're different and we have real differences. But we are united in Jesus and we are the new humanity. We're an expression of the new humanity as a church. That's what he's saying. Go back to the next slide. So in this new humanity, and we're gonna get into this in the next few weeks, is unity, love, and holiness. And what, this is what Jesus is doing. He's reconciling all things reconciling all things to himself, and he's creating this new reconciling community. New reconciling, Second Corinthians says, you are now ministers of reconciliation, that we are to send the message of reconciliation, that we are to be the voice of reconciliation, that we are to be the people who go and love those who have nothing to offer us nothing to offer us, no, nothing useful in and of ourselves, that we're to, to, to reconcile power and powerless, the haves and the have-nots. We're to reconcile sinners and saints. We're to reconcile south side and north side, right? That's what this new work is doing, and Jesus wants us to be a part of it. And he says this. He says this in the end of this passage. He says this in verse 20, 23. He says he wants us to present us as holy and blameless, above reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation. So he says, I want you to, to be reconciled, and I don't want you to shift. Some of you are going to shift away, otherwise you wouldn't say this. Like, and statistically, like in this room, like years from now, 10 years from now, like statistically, some of, some of you may shift away from the faith, but he's saying, if you hold steadfast to the gospel of Jesus, to the reconciling message of Jesus Christ, and let the differences that separate us fall to the ground, he wants to reconcile us as a community of love, of unity, and of holiness. He said, that's what I'm doing, and I want people to be a part of it, and he wants us to be a part of it. And so I just want to close with this. I just want us to search our hearts. I want us to search our hearts that God would. Uh, in all these prayers in the Bible says, examine, examine yourself, examine yourself. Um, Psalm, Psalm says, examine, search me, O Lord, see if there's anything that has alienated myself from you, anything that's separated us. Know my anxious thoughts, and lead me in the way of everlasting. And so I just want us to search our hearts. Let's just pray and do that. That God would. Show us where we've contributed to this, this alienation, this fragmentation that we live in, this, in the pursuit of happiness, pursuit of life and liberty. And God, would you make us a reconciled community? Would you make us a m- community that is reconciled to you, Lord God? And the good news that I want you to hear as you search yourself is that Jesus' heart is to make you whole and complete. He wants to cancel the record of shame. And so if there's, I want to pray for a few different people here this morning. Number one, for some of you, you came in this morning, um, just, you, you came in just crippled with shame. You, you often tell yourself how horrible you think you are. And how you let the enemy tell you how horrible he thinks you are. And I don't want to belittle what you've been through in life i wouldn't come 1 inch close to belittling what you've been through in life at all i'd want to validate what you've been through but whatever was done to you or said to you or whatever you did to yourself or said to yourself is vanished at the foot of the cross and he has canceled the manuscript of all of your shame and guilt it is finished to tell us die it is done. It has gone away. With be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Would you just feel that? Would you experience that? Would you hear the good news that your sins are forgiven? They are free. You are free. You are free. In whom the Son is set free is free indeed. It means free forever. Free forever. Never, ever to return to the voice of shame. So would you, some of you, would you just, as you be ministered to by the Spirit, would you be freed to be reconciled to God this morning? Would you come to the table with this community and taste and see that his love is good through the bread that represents God's body broken for you and the blood that was shed for you? Others of you 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 sense this like systemic broken world that you're in and some of some of us realize like the place the choices we have we contribute we get caught up in the lo- pursuit of life liberty and happiness and we have insulated ourselves with our little world and like god's calling us to like take a cost take a step of obedience, sacrifice, give of yourself, look like your Savior, make peace by the blood, by the sacrifice of your life. And I pray whatever he's calling you to do, that bold step of obedience, that he would give you the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. For some of you, he's called you this morning to do something so specific and you came in here thinking that maybe that wasn't him and I want to assure you that God is speaking. And if he speaks to you with specificity, he's doing something, he's stirring something, he's moving. That means you've got to get that out. You've got to tell somebody about it in prayer. You've got to tell your community and you've got to begin to, begin to put a stake in the ground that says I'm going to move in a long obedience in the same direction with yeah. my life. I want a different end and telos, a different vision for my life than, than what I'm pursuing because it's, 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 I'm tired of trying to get my life worth off my career, or helping my company's charts move up. I'm ready to surrender my life to a different end. So God, would you move us in that? And for others of us, would we settle our differences as a body? reconciled under the perfect love of Jesus. Being united as a community of different, different people with real differences, but united in his message of reconciliation. May we paint a different picture to this city of what it looks like to be a reconciled body. Holy Spirit, would you do this? It's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. So let's, as a new community, a new humanity, let's, uh, we're gonna worship. Would you guys stand? We're going to worship, we're going to sing, we're going to celebrate his reconciling work. We're going to take the bread and the wine that was spilt for us, broken for us, as a community. Um, there's prayer in the back if you need prayer. If there's something, is there a broken, severed relationship that you need prayer for? Is there someone in your life that you just are not, are at odds with? We want to pray for that. If there's If there's a sense of just like, you don't even know how to articulate it. You don't have to explain everything. Just go back to the table and say, will you pray for me? And ask God, to tr- just trust God that he's going to say something over your life through that prayer. Um, we want to bless you. We wanna, if, you don't have to go to our, the, to our prayer station. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Let's just make room for God's spirit to move. Amen? Amen.